You're listening to a sponsored episode on The Top Line. Today we're speaking with Nina Benetti and Mike Myers. Nina Benetti has deep experience in marketing, pharma, device, and now AI. She has spent the last 15 years in marketing breakthrough therapies for patients living with rare diseases and clinicians who care for them at companies such as Biomarin, Actilion, Janssen, Zogenics, and UCB, launching and growing brands. Nina started her marketing career in consumer packaged goods and transitioned to healthcare with the then Eli Lilly Advanced Cardiovascular Systems during the high growth spin-out era of Guidant Corporation in various commercial roles. Nina also has over 15 years of medical device sales and marketing experience working in cardiology, neurology, and minimally invasive surgery. Nina is now the VP of Marketing at VizAI, a leading healthcare AI company partnering with clinicians and pharmaceutical companies. Mike Myers has been a leader in the healthcare and pharmaceutical industry for over two decades, including managing director and founding partner of CrowdFarm, a global healthcare advertising and marketing firm with over 8,000 network members representing over 125 countries. He's a founder and partner at Hot Iron Health, a healthcare consulting company, and Mike was previously president and founder of Palio Communications, later renamed Palio Plus Ignite, where during Mike's tenure, it grew to a $40 million global agency and a recognized innovative leader in the advertising community. Mike is a professor and frequent lecturer at many prestigious colleges and universities across the U.S., and Mike is a frequent resource to regional and national media on topics ranging from building agency client relationships, healthcare marketing, emerging social media, talent management, business culture, and DTC advertising. Mike and Nina, welcome, and thanks for stopping by today. Thanks, we're excited to be here. Thank you. In healthcare and pharma, AI is seen as a disruptor. The sentiment from big pharma looking for new market models using AI ranges from go fast and use AI now to fear of job security. What if I make a mistake? So how can pharma leaders make the most of AI today for their businesses and be a risk-taking champion versus left out in the wave? At Fierce Pharma in September, 2023, big pharma execs spoke about how tech and innovation are poised to disrupt the industry. Some sentiments on AI and pharma's future included It's a core part of our business. We have to use AI. C-suite is finding ways to supercharge employees. Bring us the right mindset and ideas. Give us reasons to say yes. Some employees see AI as a risk of employment, but execs want them to feel superhuman in using AI and put people and situations to add more value. Let's start with you, Mike. What are you seeing now in pharma and what's expected in the future? Well, thanks, Julia, um, for asking. And it, it is, it's a wild time out there. There's a lot of confusion. There's excitement. Um, there's concerns about what AI is and is it going to replace jobs? Um, how can you use it? How can you use it responsibly? People in many cases are unsure what to do, but they feel like they have to do something directly along the lines of, of what you were just saying. There's not a place that I've been or a conversation that I've been on in the last several months that people aren't talking about AI. I was in New York last week at, a, at two different industry events. Everyone was discussing it, you know, during cocktail hour, um, when we're sitting around tables um, between presentations and things. It really, really is a hot topic. And 
it's a little bit of everything and everywhere. And, you know, at the same time, people aren't really sure what to do. Um, they just know that they need to be doing something. And there are a lot of trends out there that we're already seeing. You know, people are experimenting. Um, most people are familiar now with ChatGPT. That is now ChatGPT4 that a week ago now has the availability to analyze images and to respond to voice commands. And, you know, things are just getting faster and faster. We were looking, Nina and I were talking a couple of weeks ago and there was a mom or there was a parent that had a child that had never been diagnosed correctly. And then all of a sudden, you know, the parent plugged everything into uh, AI and AI spit out the, the diagnosis and not only just any diagnosis, but the right diagnosis. You know, we're just seeing people experimenting, people trying to tap into things. Uh, you know, some of the other things that we're definitely seeing on a trend perspective is that it's about to become embedded into software and systems that we're already using. You know, specifically things like uh, Microsoft, the core operating system, Mac will soon have it. And we're, we're moving very fast from an ignorance of what AI can be to a lot of experimentation. And people really do have a high desire to dive into it and learn and not be left behind. And ironically, with all of that said, we've all been using AI for a while. If you say, hey, Siri, or you say the word Alexa and ask a question, that's a form of artificial intelligence, especially as Siri is learning and, and Alexa are learning from you as you, as you continue to interact with them. Uh, I will throw one thing out, um, Julia, to you and, the, and our listeners out there. We, we really need to be careful and wary of people out there that are selling AI solutions to people within pharma that aren't really AI. There are, for lack of a better way to put it, snake oil salesmen that are out there offering up ideas and things that really aren't AI. You know, there's some really interesting things happening with the computer, but they're not artificial intelligence. And in a time when, where, as you referenced, there's a lot of pressure from C-suite for people to be engaged with artificial intelligence, I do want to throw a cautionary note out there for folks to just be wary of what they may dive into or what they may sign up for to engage with their brand or for their own benefit. Along these lines and just kind of building on, on where this where I'm going so far, there are so many examples already of where artificial intelligence can enhance our capabilities and productivity. And I'm gonna throw out a few to you, including one I learned about just earlier today, but just some of the things that, that I've been experimenting with and we've been experimenting with. There's a site out there called Galen, G-A-L-E-A-I, and once you get in, you can type clinical questions and get fully referenced answers and a full clinical summary. And I, I did one earlier in preparation for this call. It says, you know, what is the standard treatment for a 65-year-old female with COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease? And it spit out not only a high-level overview of what should be done, but then it gave me a series of references. Just really, really incredible the, the information that's at my fingertips there. There's another one that's also similar to that. It's called Glass Health, glass.health, that I typed this in. Chest pain, no visible signs of cardiac distress, male age 35 years old. And it, it came up with a differential diagnosis that actually I thought was pretty good because I was trying to see if it knew that I might have GERD, gastroesophageal reflux disease. And then it gave me a full clinical plan. So that's another one that's really, really interesting that's just such a valuable tool to be able to play with. And then one... I'll share two others quickly. One of them that we've started to use at my firm is called System Pro, and the link is pro.system.com. And I remember, and I know Nina member, remembers, and I know many of our listeners will remember, when you're in marketing and 
even you're in clinical work at, at a healthcare, at a pharma company or a medical device company, you will carry around a reference binder when you go to different review meetings. So System Pro enables you to have a full reference binder at your fingertips. And, you know, just for variation, I typed in hypertrophic cardiomyopathy to see what would happen. And it came back with 24,278 studies, which is a little overwhelming, but then it leads with the studies that are most referenced. It shows the publication date, gives you an abstract summary, and then also provides you a hyperlink so you can go in and look at the study even further. There's other aspects to System Pro that make it, make it very valuable. And I'll show one more and then I'll shut up because I know that there's some other things we want to talk about. But this morning, um, a gentleman in my company let us all know that Google Cloud has introduced Vertex AI search with generative AI for healthcare and life sciences. And it enables you, if you're storing your data in the cloud, to search across clinical information, across electronic health records in a way that's never been done before. It's HIPAA compliant. It gives really, really enhanced data access. And it's just, there's so much going on. And I don't know if it's coming across. I'm really excited about it. The examples that I'm providing are some of the things that can be done. It's not nearly the full depth of things that can be done and where things are going, but it's, it's moving fast. Uh, there's a lot of trends going on and, and it's an exciting time. Well, this sounds like an amazing amount of potential. So I'm wondering to both of you, Mike and Nina, what are some of the barriers to adoption that you see? Why are people worried about it? So I, I guess I'll go first and I'll give a quick answer and then hand it over to Nina. I, I think that there are fears about artificial intelligence. People don't fully understand what it is, yet they're, they're interested. And there's all this massive pressure from leadership above, uh, you know, at the C-suite, as, as you mentioned earlier, to start using AI and plugging it in. And, and in many instances, it doesn't matter if we can track what, what we're trying to implement or if it actually will work, but people want their corporations to be seen as being progressive in the area of artificial intelligence. And people aren't fully knowledgeable about what is possible and they don't really have a complete understanding of, of what can be done and where it should be utilized. It really reminds me of when the internet, it became, it went everywhere in the early 2000s, early 1990s and early 2000s. And pharma and uh, medical device companies were all fixated on, let's do something digital, let's do something digital, let's do something digital. And in many instances, people were wasting money. So I think the barriers to adoption are really around fear and misunderstanding, but there's a massive desire to definitely be doing things in AI. Thanks, Mike. I, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, I just uh, finished uh, two different conferences, Digital Pharma East, and now just yesterday, Health concluded. And it was so clear that AI is becoming part of the pharma fabric. And it really is set to disrupt the industry. I heard top executives from top pharma companies employing very different models in their organizations of how to infuse tech and AI into the organization. They're talking about things like reorganizing team structures, collaboration across functions that weren't really happening organically before and integrating AI into their, the core of their business. In terms of barriers, I think there are several, but I'll highlight two for commercial pharma teams. The first one is championing AI internally can be viewed as a risk. 
because the industry is so new, there is this fear of failure. Uh, what if it doesn't work, right? What if I pick the wrong racehorse? Um, this could be a career mark of achievement or it could be a career killer. That I see as a huge barrier. And then the second one really is time. Pharma does tend to move a little more slowly than other industries, especially tech. Of course, there's the medical review process, promotional review, and a lot of internal processes. Procedures haven't really been developed yet within these pharmaceutical companies for the use of AI, or it's either not very well-defined at most of the companies. So there happens to be a lot of cross-functional collaboration and uh, new discussion, right, on, on this new topic. And it isn't really part of the uh, work instructions or the ways of working or standard operating procedures that exist currently. And really what this does is it just eats time. Can you get more specific about how AI is having an impact today on patient diagnosis and treatment? The first overarching answer is it's changing every day. And if it's not changing every day, it's definitely changing every week. You know, earlier I mentioned the example of the parent that was able to get a, get an accurate diagnosis when they weren't able to get that previously when they were going to see physicians. That's a great example of how it's having an impact. Another one is it's about two or three weeks ago now, some people tested a doctor's diagnosis versus AI diagnosis of patients when they presented with certain symptoms. Similar to what I was talking about earlier with, with glass.health, can you plug in where, what the patient is presenting with and see what will happen? And we're starting to see more and more of that where it's not necessarily replacing a doctor because I don't think that'll ever happen, but it's assisting a doctor. It's enabling them to get to a differential diagnosis faster than they would be able to without artificial intelligence. There's a really exciting example right now that I've seen with VizAI. VizAI is able to use diagnosis data. They're able to use clinical images. And with the two or each of them independently, they're assisting diagnosis and they're helping drive predictive diagnosis. And clinicians are already using this and patients are already benefiting from it. Thanks, Mike. That's a, that's a great point. I think pharma needs to know that their customers, their clinicians, and the patients are embracing AI today rapidly in many areas. So physicians and healthcare organizations are embracing AI in their daily work. What I see is healthcare organizations and physicians specifically using AI as part of their patient management workflow. It helps them detect diseases in many different patient types, and it enables intelligent learned care coordination. It's not gonna replace them, but it's gonna help them be more efficient. And I see this in neurology, cardiology, uh, oncology, pulmonology, and now even rare diseases. So many patients are misdiagnosed. They fall out of the appropriate care journey. They fall out of the system altogether. They're basically what they used to call loss to follow up. And I think AI is being used today to get the right patient, you know, to the right specialist, the right care team at the appropriate time so they can have the right care plan and therapy. And this can be done with acute diseases such as stroke and even non-acute diseases um, such as uh, cardiac myopathies. I think we have an opportunity now as an industry to help healthcare organizations and providers be more efficient and effective, right? Find that missing patient, improve the patient outcomes. The other thing we're seeing is generative AI. 
Uh, if I had, you know, a penny for every time AI and generative AI were mentioned at the health conference, um, this is truly the next wave. And we can really transform healthcare using natural language processing coupled with the AI that we are using today. Right. But how does healthcare AI intersect or relate to pharma? So pharma works with partners like this AI to develop the algorithms that work for them and the workflows within the hospital systems to get patients to the right specialists. I think the ROI is market expansion, right? We're targeting different patient populations, finding the patients that have been missed or fallen off, and really taking that next best action, encouraging the clinician within the palm of their hand to actually move forward whether it's for treatment, a care plan, monitoring, adherence. The bottom line is the more patients that get care and get diagnosed, the more therapies get prescribed and the better patients will do. And we do this in over 1,400 hospitals today, every day, academic and the community slash rural hospitals. We're in a majority of the top IDNs and we're detecting patients and sending alerts to thousands of engaged clinicians on an average of one time every 14 seconds. Uh, it's a system of action though, right? It's, it's not just detecting, it's really uh, moving the patient so they don't get lost or drop off their care plan. And we're clinically proven uh, in over 100 publications with a lot of real world evidence. Um, I'm just gonna quote one of our cardiology customers about using AI and Viz AI. He said, you know, it's a matter of good patient care. Using technology to help patients is not something new, but with the advent of artificial intelligence, it's the next chapter. And he sees a lot of promise ahead. That's a great answer, Nina. And I think my my response to that, Julia, would be that I think it it intersects, it relates, and it builds very much with pharma. Everything that Nina just said, I think, is an exceptional example. On a broader level, by its very nature, artificial intelligence can support or transform the way that pharma does things. You know, I threw out a few examples. Nina is showing some very practical clinical examples. AI truly has the ability to change the way that we work, speed up the way that we work, and ultimately, which is what we're all in it about for in the first place, improve patient care. This is exciting and possibly overwhelming at the same time. I can see how one might be cautious in embracing AI in such a big way. Could you each give us a few closing thoughts on what people should be looking at and doing today and looking at and doing tomorrow with respect to their roles in pharma and healthcare fields? Yeah, great question. And if I'm a pharmaceutical commercial team or a digital asset team or a medical team, I would wake up tomorrow or uh, in my work today, I'd be looking for partners that have already FDA cleared medical algorithms that are actually working and being used today. Find ones that customers are sticky with. That's uh, what we say, right? They're using it, they're finding value and it's proven. Um, more importantly though, choose AI that HEPs use in their daily workflow to impact patient outcomes with clinical and real-world data. Start early. Earmark budget for your plans, right? This is going to be a lot of test and learn. Form internal cross 
functional teams to champion AI together. This is not something you want to be superhuman as a solo artist. You want to get together with the, these wonderful digital asset leads in companies, um, commercial teams, medical teams. It seems like the pharmaceutical senior leadership wants employees to supercharge together and brave this new world together. And I think it's going to be exciting to see the silos that break down. Nina, those are great examples. And I have, I have three points that I'd, I'd like to share with everyone. The first is don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of artificial intelligence. And candidly, don't be afraid of making a mistake. We're going to be failing forward here. It's happening too quickly. There's too much happening in real time. Clearly, don't bet the proverbial farm on something that's not tested, but recognize that things aren't going to be perfect. So that's the first one. Don't be afraid. The second one is something that someone said to me. I did not come up with this, but, it, but, I, but I believe it's true. Artificial intelligence isn't going to replace you, but people that know how to use artificial intelligence will. So that's the words of wisdom or the words of warning. You better learn to dive in because it is here and it's smart and it's something we're all going to be using more and more. The last one is also something that someone shared with me that I've now adopted. And, and this gentleman said, don't be a tourist with AI. Don't feel like you can fly in for the weekend and touch ChatGPT for 10 seconds or for one query and then disappear and come back you know, three weeks later because you're a tourist. You have to be a resident. You have to really get out there and experiment and, and learn it and dive into it. It sounds like the future of AI is, is here and at the intersection of pharma and healthcare. I can see why pharma execs want their teams to be superhuman in their quest to implement AI in medical and commercial. Their customers, physicians, healthcare orgs, and even patients are using AI in their daily workflow. We've all heard of chat, GPT-4, and others, and are probably delighting in their use. However, we've learned that healthcare AI today is more than that. It can detect and alert clinicians about patients who are in need of a diagnosis, missed altogether, fallen off their care plan, or lost to follow up for a number of reasons. That's a lot of people who could be on the right care plan with the right care team, benefiting from current therapies that they need. Determining how to go about this in a large pharma company and with which partners is critical for success You've both offered some pearls and ways for pharma teams to move forward. Being a pharma AI champion is risky in these early days, but it sounds like it's core to the business and the rewards could be impactful. Mike, Nina, thank you for stopping by today. Thanks, Julia. Thank you.